0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you.
1: We knew about uh, Tree of Life through just being off of 35. That was one big thing. And then, you know, my wife kind of uh, looked at Tree of Life through the internet as well. And so we went the first day and we checked it out and like everybody there was just so super friendly. It was so genuine that it made us stay. We listened to uh, Pastor Don, and once he started to preach, it just fell upon us that this was the church for us.
2: Yeah, like it just felt like home whenever we were there. And we didn't really start off going to church. Um, when I was younger, we never went to church when we were kids. I kind of just found went to church with friends. And when we got older, we just kind of got busy and we just never, you know, had a church life or a church home. And when we moved to New Brunswick, so once we stepped into Tree, it was just like, okay, this is where God wants us to be. Being a part of TREE has really just changed and transformed our lives. Like when we look in hindsight and we can see where we've come from um, two years ago when we first started going to TREE, I mean everything in our lives have changed. You know, we're just better, our marriage is stronger, um, we have stronger friendships and stronger relationships with other people, and I mean everything is just so much better now that we've been going there.
1: And yeah, we also found ourselves uh, reading the Bible, praying. Our family has come together. I mean, it's just been a complete change. It has changed the way we feel. It has changed the way we react to others. They love tree kids. It has been a big influence on them completely. It has changed their grades. It has changed them completely as well as us
2: and for me you know being a kid that never went to church at all um it gives my kids such a better beginning than what i had since i didn't have that it was hard for me to even open up and know you know what Religion was or what it was like or knowing you know that God actually loves you That was something I had to learn, you know in my 20s and my 30s and being able to share that with my kids while they're small So that they know the love of God when they're little then they're gonna just have such a better life than What we did
0: Amen. What a great story. Thank the Brown family for sharing their story. Let's give them a big applause. That's really nerve-wracking to do that. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you so much. Appreciate their heart since they've been here. Uh, she serves in the choir. You saw her this morning, in fact. He's back in the booth. I just appreciate them coming and joining their gifts to a family here at Tree Life that God set in, and God sets us in families Here's what I, here's what we know in this scripture. We make decisions on where we go to, we should make decisions on where we go to church based on the leading of the Lord, nothing else. Because the Bible says God sets families in. He has a family and a place for everybody. We want to make decisions based on how they're dressed in, preferences, lights, sound, styles. But you know, God has a place for you. You just be sensitive to what God is leading you into. So then we go and the Bible says those that are planted in the house, of the Lord will flourish. Then we put our roots down and we become part of a family. And I love hearing their family story. And there's so many wonderful ones out there. We'll hear a couple more the remainder of this month. But I just love that, that we're in this together. And the idea that we can come to a place just as we are and have a time to sit in the word and worship the Lord and allow ourselves to be, to grow and have opportunity to apply the word of God to our life. And, and so many wonderful things were said in that time. I hope you caught the really, the heart behind their experiences here at Tree. And so we just want you guys to know that we love you. We, we're glad that you're here and we know that God has a good plan for you. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. All right. So I got a couple of announcements for you. Amen. Thanks for that. <laughs> when Pastor Dave said, hey, we're going to hear a great word from Pastor Don. Aren't, aren't you glad? And I thought, what if nobody clapped? I thought, well, number one, I have to fire all my staff first. But so we're looking forward to the word in just a moment. But let me, a few announcements before we get there. As you came on campus and, and you have an insert or a handout when you came on, and uh, you saw this, we, we put this up there, we posted it up there, as saying that we'll not, we, we're not allowing uh, backpacks or those sort of bags, satchels or other style bags to be brought on the campus. The exception being made, ladies' purses or ladies, if you use that as your diaper bag, then obviously, then we wanna let you do that. But I want you guys to know the heart and spirit behind that. We live in a day and age that we need to be wise and we need to be very careful. We have a large group of people that are gathering here on Sundays and Wednesdays and all the events that we do. And other than creating a spiritual environment for you to connect with Jesus, our next important thing is to create a safe environment for you to do it without care and concern here on our campus, amen? Very important. And I want to say we take it very seriously, your safety. We have a safety team here. We're implementing measures all the time, uh, evaluating and reevaluating things because keeping you safe, your kids safe is what we're called to do. You've entrusted your family, your children to us during this time. And we take that very seriously. And, you know, the Bible talks about not being in fear. This isn't a move because of fear. This is a move because of wisdom. That we know that we're to do all we can do in the spiritual. we pray for safety and protection. We pray the blood of Jesus over this campus, the angels that surround it. No harm shall befall us. No plague shall come nigh this dwelling. We pray that all the time. And I know that you do too. But the Bible also says do all you can in the natural. Amen. Do all you can in the natural, and the natural and the supernatural come together, and so we're doing that as a staff, keeping your safety in mind with all the things around the campus, and we just want you to know that we are, we are very serious about keeping you safe. Now, we want you guys to, to work with us. Uh, you get the spirit behind what we're trying to do. We're, we want you to come if you forget or someone's new, then that's great. Well, someone will I'll talk to you for just a moment. You can place that in your car and return to service and, and make adjustments as you come and get ready the next time, but uh, we want you to know that, man, we are, your safety is our greatest priority next to creating an environment for you to connect with Jesus, but we think those go hand in hand, and so we want you to know that this is a safe place, and we work very hard for that. Um, You know, in getting ready, uh, well actually this summer, my wife and I were in Mexico. After we'd leave the hotel every morning, we'd drive by this particular store and there's a great bag there. I just, I had to have that bag. And I don't shop, so it's like I don't know, I just wanted this bag. And I said, I need to get that bag. I need to get that backpack. It was a backpack, actually. And so I, I, I stopped there one day, and they wouldn't sell it to me, and I was like frustrated. I was like, "I want a, what a, name your price, I'll get it. And now I know it was the Lord at work, because here's the bag I was looking at I was going to bring back here from Mexico. Just, I begged, pleaded, offered them all kinds of money, and I know it was just God. God's like, no, we're making some changes here, Don. I'm going to keep everybody safer, so... Leave the bag in Mexico, so needless to say, I thought all the great stuff I could put in that. It's great stuff. I could get, I could get a lot of snacks in there. I could get my children in there. I just a lot. Yo, you can take it down now. Uh, so I... <laughs> no, you can take it down now or lose your job. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Hey, you know what? Let's just thank everybody that serves to keep everybody safe, online protected. Yeah, we're thankful for all of them. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, you need to know, we do background checks, we train everybody, we equip everybody, no matter what area ministry they serve, and we're making sure that this is not only a, a spiritually safe environment, but a, a physically, naturally safe environment. So you need to know that um, as, your, as your pastor and as your church. So I want to let you know that. And we're getting ready. Uh, we're headed into the fall. Here's what we call the fall. Fall harvest. We call it that because that's what it is. <laughs> if you look in the natural and, and if you talk to someone that does uh, farming or ranching or anything like that or just growing things, and then you look in the scripture when it talks about the fall and different feasts, the fall is a time for harvest. Well, that's true in the spiritual as well. That's our greatest opportunity as a church to reach the most amount of people for Christ. And so, We make a huge concerted effort to put energy, effort, and resources into the fall harvest. They're asking you guys to join with us. We have a new series coming up, kicking off in the fall, called Unbroken. And it's so many broken things in our life, so many broken promises, so many broken people, so many broken relationships, but the Bible talks about things that were never meant to be broken that God has established and God has a plan and purpose for. So we've called our series Unbroken because some things are never meant to be broken. We're going to look at the principles in God's Word that apply to different areas of our life. And relationships on how He has a plan for to to be things, relationships, our lives to be unbroken. And let's get back on track with what God has. So we want you to invite anybody and everybody. We have invite cards at the welcome center. The ushers have invite cards. We want you to be in prayer over the fall harvest. Nothing happens without prayer. Amen. In fact, as you heard Pastor Josh in the announcements on the 24th of this month, Wednesday night, the 24th of this month, we're having corporate prayer in here. The whole service is dedicated to praying for the fall harvest. So we want you to come up participate with us on that you can go online we kicked it off 21 days of prayer rather we kicked off last Sunday for the fall harvest you can go online find the prayer points find devotionals connect with us over these 21 days so we can all join our faith together amen for the greatest fall harvest that for the kingdom of God that we have yet to see amen so lots of opportunity guys so we're doing our job being a tree life to a loss and hurting world okay now having said that are you ready for the word this morning Amen. (laughs) I just want to go back and say, you didn't have to cheer for me, but you will always cheer for the Word, because the Word is the life changer. Amen? Amen. It's what we build our life on. No matter who's up here, if they're preaching the truth of God's Word, it can change your life. We believe that here at Tree. So we're in part two of a series called The Measure of a Great Church. We just celebrated 35 years of being a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. We're continuing that for the month, if you will. And I'm kind of tag-teaming a series that my father, the founding pastor, did in 1995, the year before he He graduated to heaven. Uh, He did a series called The Measure of a Great Church. I've listened to it over and over again over the years because he shares his heart. He shares his vision for this church. And let me say this, the vision of God does not change. God established it. It'll it'll be the same till we go home to see Jesus. Different leaders go at it differently based on gifts, abilities, culture, resources that God has set forth and established. But I just want you to know that our vision established by our founding pastor 35 years ago in one week is still the same as God intended. I believe that. And we listen will listen to his heart. I hope that you'll see that in, 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 in his words, and you'll see that uh, operating here at Shree. So we're going to go ahead and start this morning by turning to Matthew 16. I didn't get to this scripture last week, but I want to start with it. It's really our foundational scripture through the course of this series. So let me set you up real quick with this scripture and where we're going today. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, say, disciples, That's our key word, hold on to that word. His disciples, those who are following him, following his teachings, doing what he's doing. What do people, or who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the soon coming king, you are the redeemer, the rescuer, the savior, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, or the revelation you just expressed about Jesus being the Savior, the Messiah, the soon coming King, the Redeemer, the one who changes lives, saves lives, upon that revelation, upon that foundation, I will build what's those next two words? my church. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says he will build his church. This is not my church. This is not the Duncan church. This is Jesus's church or the church of Jesus. Amen. This is God's church in other words. And he builds it and he gives us instructions and he calls us together. I love that. Now now here's what, man did not create, create the concept of church. Man has twisted it Man has put his own interpretation on it at times. Not everybody, but you know what I'm saying. But this is Jesus' church. Here's where we get our instructions. And let me just say this for a second. I'm not sure why some churches operate the way they operate. And I'm not judging anybody. But it seems to me that if this is his church, and it is, then he has specific instructions for it. And so when you, are, when you find yourself looking for church or whatever and stuff, you look and see what the word of God says about church, not what man says about church. Amen? Amen. And I think that we've gotten off a little bit today, and there's some churches operating and some even some big organizations making decisions now that say, well, today we're going to be inclusive of that, or whatever that is. And I'm saying, well, it's not your church. <laughs> it's Jesus's church. Let's look and see what he has to say about it. And I just want you to know, I don't mean anything disrespect for any other church, but I want to promise you that as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're going to follow the words of Jesus Christ in building his church here on planet Earth. <laughs> just want you to know that okay all right so it's his church and the gates of hades or hell will not overcome it and we shout we celebrate that and that's amazing and he says this i'll give you you being the church and the church is people that are following the teachings of jesus individually and local groups as he establishes groups together for greater impact so it's individuals and local churches so he says, "I'll give you the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven." And so, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. He's saying, "I'm going to give the church the power." He's just saying, "I'm going to give the church the power." You, as an individual part of a greater church, universal and the local church, he has the power because he has a mission for his church. Doesn't it just make sense that if he's going to build a church, he's going to give it power to do what he's done? <laughs> right, he's going to empower the church to do only what he's done, and so he's given us the power to do that. And let's take a look at this passage of scripture out of the. Oh, actually, let's look at verse 18 out of the Amplified. Now, here's what I want you to get, and I tell you, you're Peter, in the Greek meaning Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock, the revelation we already discussed. Oh, on this rock, Greek <laughs> Greek meaning Petra, a huge rock like the rock of Gibraltar. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be as strong to its detriment, or hold out against it. Now that's good news. It says that the church that has the power given by Jesus cannot be stopped. The enemy cannot hold out against it or operate to its detriment. Amen. That means you and I as the church universal, but you and I as a local church, as Jesus has established it, in forward motion, the enemy cannot hold out against it. I love that. That's good news, isn't it? We we are marching forward with instructions for tree of life church and for 35 years we've been doing it and the enemy ain't stopped us yet and he can't he's not gonna in the future amen can't hold out against what we're doing when we're on mission when we're on mission but let me talk about today let me let me then switch over to today's topic if you will today's message i've entitled people of purpose last week we knew that the church was really the people And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. We had a great audio clip from my dad. His heart was expressing, you are the measure of a great church. What makes a church great? It's not the buildings, it's not the campus, and they're fantastic, we thank God for that. It's not the programs that are wonderful, we believe Holy Spirit inspired, it is the people. Life is about God and God is about people. And so if you don't rise up to become whom God has called you and created you to become, then this church doesn't rise up and become what God intended for this church because we need you to find and fulfill what God has for your life and then corporately together, then we all march forward and the enemy cannot hold out against us or work to our detriment. I love that. So we need to be people of purpose. And so we need to understand why we're here, who we are, what are we supposed to be doing? Take a look at Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Let's start, let's start looking at that. People of purpose. What is our purpose? Let me start with this scripture in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples, now there's only 11 disciples at this point because Jesus has already been crucified and resurrected and he, uh, we understand there were 12, but then Judas took his life. So there were, ele- there were twelve, now there are elevens, but look at that word, then the eleven disciples who had followed Jesus went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now he had already been crucified in the grave and resurrected, then he was on the earth for forty days. And then he's fixing to go up to heaven, just to rise up to heaven. So he's spending the last time with his 11 disciples, and he's giving them instruction, speaking to them. Here's what he says. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now listen, go and make what? Go and make disciples. So Jesus tells his disciples to go and make So disciples are to go and make disciples. Amen? Are you getting that? We're going to keep walking this out. So disciples are who we are to be and we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to what? Okay. So disciples are to go and make disciples and disciples are to obey. So a disciple is one who obeys the teaching of Jesus. Come on. And so they go teach other people to obey the teachings of Jesus. And he says this, and and teaching them, them being the disciples, to obey. Disciples go make disciples, and then disciples teach disciples to obey everything that Jesus has commanded because he's the head of the church, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see the purpose here? That we are his church, and so therefore, as followers of Jesus, we are to be disciples, and we are to go make disciples, and we are to be obedient to the things of God and teach others to be obedient to the things of God. Now let me stop for just a second. I'm not talking about Christians. Ouch. I'm talking about disciples. Can I just say there's a difference between a Christian and a disciple? Because I'm amazed at how some people live their life and I watch TV and I watch sporting events and, and people that live their life basically like the world and they're getting up and giving glory and honor to God. And then I see things like, I see things that people, are how they're living their life, and I'm like, that's just not, that's, that's, and then, and then you look at statistics that the United States of America profess, 84 to 87% of the United States of America profess to be Christian. If that's the case, then why are we experiencing all the things we're experiencing? because there's a difference between Christian and disciple. Listen, a Christian is now has been kind of watered down, it's been compromised a little bit, it's kind of a more broad term. And I wanna challenge you this morning, I'm not making anybody feel bad, but we need to be on purpose, we need to be people of purpose, but we need to make sure that we're more than just saved. We need to make sure that we're walking out the teachings of Jesus. We need to make sure that we're obeying the things that Jesus told us to obey in the scripture. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for disciples. Now, a disciple has to start with a convert, but it doesn't stop there. When you gave your heart to Jesus, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. Now you grow in a loving relationship with Jesus. It says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 in the Amplified. Let's take a look at that. We just read 18. It says, Jesus said, approach them breaking the silence to them. All authority, power, rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make... Disciples. There is work to do, work to be done. A disciple is one who has been transformed and changed through relationship and teaching of Jesus. You know, as I was setting this out, uh, just reading different things and looking up different things, I actually saw this, I think, on Wikipedia. It said, I I, I looked at Wikipedia for a disciple, and it said, um, it talked about followers of Jesus, but then it made this statement, and I I read that right, where that was right, but it said this there are a lot of followers of Jesus, but few disciples. And that struck me. I thought, did they, is this a 2016 article? <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? I mean, listen, we're not just here to get our ticket to heaven punched. I mean, God has so much more for it. And really, honestly, it comes out of discipleship. It comes out of listening to him and, and hearing him and thinking like him and talking like him and doing the things that he would do and responding to things the way he would respond. Go make disciples. Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators. What, is it, what does that sound like he's talking about? Be imitators of God. Do what, what Jesus would do. Say what Jesus would say. It sounds like he's talking about a disciple to me, honestly. That's what a disciple is, an imitator of Jesus. And I thought about his dear children. What a great picture that is. Because how many of you guys know when you have little kids, sometimes you're going places and you just don't, don't want. You're afraid of something. Come out of their mouth, right? <laughs> Shh, just don't say anything, kids. Just be quiet. You don't have to say a word. Just eat your food. Be quiet. Then we're gonna go home. Okay. <laughs> Because you get a little nervous. You don't know what kids are going to say sometimes. One time, uh, Jessamy, and and actually my mother-in-law picked up uh, one of my children from school. And so she got in the car, my daughter got in the car, and they call uh, Jessamy's mom Mumsy. They said, hey, Mumsy. And they used the most horrible four-letter cuss word you can imagine. That's theirs available. That's what they use, And she was shocked. And so she pulled the car over and said, what did you say? And so she repeated it. And I'm like, why did you have her repeat it? But she repeated the word. And so she calls Jessamy immediately, and I think we were together. And so Jessamy said, You're not going to believe she said this. And I look at Jessamy and say, Well, she got that from your family because we don't talk like that in mine. And so come to find out when, uh, when she got home to the house and and Jessie and I were talking to her and, and we made sure we knew what the word was so we knew what we were talking about anyway. So uh, Jess was like, well, well, we don't talk that way. And so you can't be friends with that little boy anymore. You just can't be. And, and then we were like, man, it's just, uh, you can't go anywhere. And then people are saying stuff and, and, and this kind of stuff. And so uh, my daughters at that time were in public school and I'm not anti-public school. I I'm, I'm love public school, but uh, she was there and I'm like, you know what, in public school, that just happens and we just don't need to be there and all that kind of stuff. And then so um, we told our daughter you cannot be friends with that little boy so a week later at church this lady came up and said hey my son came home and said he can't be friends with your daughter anymore it was a church kid it had nothing to do with public school it has to do with what they're hearing in the home because little children are imitators are they not of their father and mother so it can work to good and bad right you know what I'm talking about right But we're talking about being a disciple, being an imitator of Jesus. What comes out of your mouth? What what, what Jesus was saying comes out of my mouth. What what are you thinking about? What Jesus thinks about? How are you acting and responding as Jesus would? Why? Because you're a disciple. That's what we need to be about. Let's look at this scripture in the Amplified. It it explains a little bit more. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. We need to ask ourselves the question, would you consider yourself a disciple? based on what we just read already in the scripture. Not a Christian, not a church attender, but an imitator of Christ. There is a difference there, and we've forgotten about that I think sometimes. Are you one who thinks like him, talks like him, acts like him, loves like him, forgives like him, serves like him, takes authority like him, confronts the enemy like him? That's our purpose. We're to be disciples that make disciples. And it's so important to do that, especially in the world today. We face things that are different than ever before and we can't afford to respond like the world. We need to respond like Jesus. We need to respond to our, in our marriages like Jesus and our families like Jesus and our bodies like Jesus and our finances like Jesus. Being a disciple doesn't keep you free from challenges in this world. It keeps you in the mindset of Christ. And it's the mindset of Christ that helps you overcome the challenges of this world. Being a disciple doesn't mean bad things won't come. It means you're not going to buy into them. Being a disciple means you're going to be imitating him. I know how he thinks in this situation. I know how he talks. I know how he responds. We need to become a disciple. Discipleship is so important. It is. So pastor, you have to say that. Well, I do if I want to be obedient to God and help you grow and be like him, which is why we're here. I want to be a disciple making disciples. But we think discipleship is sitting in a bunch of classes. That's boring. That's bondage almost. We think like that. I don't go to all these classes there. Then I got to go to Sunday and Wednesday. Then I got to get in small groups. And all you're talking about is discipleship, discipleship. You know what? Can I just tell you that yes, you do need to do all those things. Why? Because it's to your benefit to think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, respond to challenges like Jesus. Not like this world system. Not like what this world would say. Can I tell you, sitting in some classes and going in small groups and stuff is a small price to pay to become a disciple. Yes. You want to go and be like Christ, you need to be around the teachings of Christ. And can I say this here? The greatest discipleship in your life probably will not happen within these four walls. will happen in your four walls at your home. And I say this all the time and I don't say this to be defensive so please don't hear that when I'm saying people come and go to church all the time and I'm good as long as, as God's orchestrating their steps and stuff like that but, but listen some people leave the church and say we're just not getting fed here we need to go somewhere we can get fed and I would say to them well yeah if I was only eating once a week I'd starve to death too and that's it's true it's true or two times a week come on I want three to five meals a day I mean that's what I'm saying right there and it's the same spiritually, it's the same spiritually. Come on, right? We're talking about being like, we need to be in pursuit of Jesus, so when challenges and situations come, our response is the response that Jesus would have, not what this world would have. In the world we live in today, we can't afford not to be a disciple. And, and can I say this? I'm so thankful for the people in my life that encourage me and the Lord. I'm thankful for people that pray with me, that I call up, or I get on the prayer channel, and I, I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. But can I tell you, I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. Can I thank you, I'm thankful for the truth and power of God's word. I'm thankful for the authority that I have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I can say what he said, do what he did, and see the results of it in my life here on the earth. Can I say, I love people praying for me and stuff like that, but I don't have to run to the altar every week for prayer if I'll be more of a disciple. But I'm thankful for those times and moments. I'm not disrespecting that you need to do that. But are you hearing what I'm saying today? The yeah, the power of being a disciple, the power of being a disciple. I hope I'm a better disciple today than I was yesterday, than last week, than last month, than last year. I hope I'm a better disciple than I was from the moment I got saved. We need to be growing and maturing every day. Luke six forty. A disciple, listen to this. A disciple is not above his teacher. You're not going to get greater than the teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And can I say the scripture says that we are to be like Christ. Our goal is to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. We are to be more like Christ. Now listen, the way to be more like Christ, the scripture says here, is to be a disciple. And it says a perfectly trained, let's talk about that word perfect for just a minute. In the Greek, the word perfect has three definitions to it. One, to be mature. growing up in Christ, grow from being a little baby to a mature believer. The second definition is to be fully equipped, that you're equipped for everything and anything. The third definition in the Greek for perfect is to be repaired, fixed, restored, and mended. So the more, the more we grow to be like Christ, the more we imitate him, the more we're fixed the more we're mended, the more our marriages are restored, the more we are free, the more we are healed, the more our brokenness gets repaired, come on, the more our our lives, our relationship with our kids get restored, you see the power of discipleship? It fixes things in your life, it mends things in your life, it restores things in your life. And if our goal and mission is to be like Christ, and it is, then it's gonna take you and I being a disciple, not just saved, but being a follower of Jesus. And some of the answers that we're looking for, that we're asking prayer for, that we're sending on scriptures and do all that, but some of the answers that we're looking for will come just from being an imitator of Christ. What's coming out of our mouth, what are we doing, what are we saying? We're not talking about perfect people, we're talking about discipleships growing and maturing, disciples fully equipped. In fact, let's listen to our founder with this first clip.
3: The only way we become functional is through the new birth and through the word, Surrendering ourselves to the Word and the Holy Ghost and becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and becoming like Him because He is fully equipped to deal with everything. And if we're like Him, we're fully equipped. And He is mature. And if we become like Him, we walk in maturity. Hello? And He certainly is not broken or in need of mending. He is whole. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, Jesus is whole. Anybody getting this? Now, I want, I want to tell you something. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. You cannot be mended and whole and come to wholeness by living out of the past or by poking a finger and blaming someone else for the way you are now. You must get into the Word of God and put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and who you are in Him and learn through the Word of God and through prayer, praise be unto God as to who you are, then mending and repair and wholeness will come. And we want to focus it every place else. And we rise not above. I'd still be a drunk today even though the Lord loved me and at the cross when I met Jesus he said you've been delivered from your drunkenness but I'd still be a drunk unless I decided to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and be like him. But I want you to understand something the way out is Jesus the word of God, the Holy Ghost the blood of a Lamb the blood of the cross the resurrection the resurrection power the power that abides within the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage Jesus left nothing out for the life that is yet to come or for this life. And yet the church is permeated with politics, it's permeated with governments, it's permeated with programs, it's permeated with everything and think tanks and philosophy and traditions and ceremonies that look good but rob the people of power. An identity with God and their salvation and the resurrection and who they are. We need to get back to who we are in Christ. We need to zero in on the cross. We need to zero in on the empty tomb. We need to zero in on the Lord Jesus Christ and get back to the Word and becoming as He is and thinking as He thinks and walking as He walks and talking as He talks and praying what He prays. Mm-hmm. You'll be free. I'll be free. The, the community will be free. Glory to God and Jesus can come for His bride. Amen. And I want to say, preach it, Dad. Come on. <laughs>
0: That's truth. It's truth. And I know what you're thinking right now. Can't we just hear that guy? No, you're hearing me. <sighs> I'm going to tag team this the rest of the month, but it's truth. We're called to be disciples. That's not a bad thing. That's not a hard thing. That's not bondage. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's fixed, mended like the one we're imitating, Jesus. Acts four thirteen, Peter and John were on the way to worship at the temple and they passed a man who had been begging there for his whole life. The man looked at him with expectation, can you have something for me? And they said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have we give you, get up and walk. The man was healed. He jumped up, rejoiced, went in, started telling everybody, crowds drew. But it got Peter and John in trouble and so they were brought before the religious crowd. The religious crowd got after him. And here's what their response was Acts 4:13 or here's what happened in that exchange when they saw the courage of Peter and John they and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What is that speaking about? It's speaking about they're obviously living their life in a way that imitates Christ, talks like Jesus, acts like Jesus. In fact, they know that because when Peter and John came on a situation with a man in need, they did what Jesus would do. That man was not healed because it was Peter and John. That man was healed because there were some disciples that were willing to imitate Christ. And that man was healed, changed forever. And so now they got in trouble for being imitators of Jesus. But I'm gonna tell you, if you'll stand up for God, he stands up for you. Because look what happens later on, down a couple of scriptures down. Then they were called, they called them in again. The religious leaders called Peter and John in again and commanded them not to speak, don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's not like our world today. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes. I'm gonna follow God. I'm not gonna follow this world to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. Now listen. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. Oh, to be a disciple that cannot help to speak about what we've seen Jesus do, what we've heard he did, and do the things he did in every situation we find ourselves in life. And the result is, the world has changed. People are changed, right? Because disciples go and make disciples. I love that. I I love that idea, that picture right there, because it reminds me so much... Uh, here, you have been uh, around town somewhere and someone comes up to you, you see somebody in church, how you doing, or a friend, how you doing, and there's a need and something quickens in your spirit, but you have a chance to do something, you have a chance to respond like Peter and John, and, and sometimes we'll, we'll do it and sometimes we'll get scared and back down. Oh, to be courageous enough that care more about what God cares about than what anybody else cares about. We can't help but speak and do the things of Jesus. i reminded of my wife when we go places, she's so great at this, and can I tell you, it's one of the hardest things for me. I can stand up in front of thousands and thousands of people, but when I'm in a situation like a Walmart or H-E-B and somebody wants prayer, I'm like, yeah, just give me your name, up. pray for you. <laughs> <All right? laughs> and my wife will, let's pray right now, and I'll say, I'll go get the rest of the stuff on the list, honey, I'll be right back. <laughs> she's more courageous than that, and she'll she's like, let's just pray right now and take her hands right there in Walmart or H-E-B. I remember I was at Chick-fil-A with one of my daughters, and we saw an accident. Two cars hit each other right in front of it, and so they pulled over to the side right there, and I saw the thing happen, and I told, I told my daughter, I said, I'm going to go check and make sure everybody's okay, and so I walked over there, and so there's uh, two teenage girls in one car, and then a gentleman in another car. And- and his back was him, and I walked up and said, Hey, is everybody okay? And he turns around and I say, Hey, Pastor Don, how's it going? And I said, Good, who are you? <laughs> and uh, he goes, I go to your church. And I said, Oh, great. I said, Well, is everybody okay? He says, Yeah. And I said, Well, and she was so shook up. And I'm like, oh, sweetheart, it'll be okay. Get your insurance out. Let's do all this, change insurance, do all this. And I, and I told her friend, and the guy I said, Why don't you guys go take a picture right there at the street, just with your phones and everything? And so I looked at her again. And she was really shaking. I said, Are you okay? She goes, I'm just, I can't stop shaking. I said, Well, can I pray for you? And she said, "Yeah, please." So I put my arm around her and started praying for her. This uh, her girlfriend walked up, or her friend walked up, and just stood there for a second. And she opened her eyes when we finished praying, looked at her girlfriend, and said, "Oh, he's my pastor. This is Pastor Don." <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. And so I'm glad that I did it without knowing because it was like, oh yeah, you go to tree here, come on, let's pray. I'm glad I had no idea. That's the thing. We're at places all the time to pray for people and we need to be disciples because disciples will change the world because they'll act like Jesus, act, talk like Jesus talked. And we need to be people that are willing to do that, willing to do that. The world needs us to. Acts 4, 18 through 20 says this. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak. Already said that and teach in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the world needs it. The world needs it. It goes on to say, "Let me keep reading. I want to read it all." Which is right in God's eyes? I want you to get this. You want to listen to Him or to the world? And then it finishes this: As for we can't, we cannot help but speak about those things. Philippians three fourteen. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called me heavenward. He has a calling for me. He has a heavenly calling for me. He's called some of us to be doctors. He's called some of us to be teachers. He called some of us to be uh, homemakers. He's called some of us to be pastors. But listen, his heavenly calling, the highest calling for you and I is to first be a disciple. Our heavenly calling is to be a disciple, He's given us gifts and abilities for other things, but he's called us all to be disciples. And Paul says, "I'm pressing. I'm working. I'm not quitting, I'm straining for the high calling." Romans 8:26 or 828 says this: "And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. It sounds like a disciple. All things work together for good for all those disciples, you got that? The high calling, called to his purpose, people of purpose, people of purpose are disciples, that all things God works for the good of his disciples. Are you listening to that? He has to be your priority, he has to be. Let's listen to this last audio clip.
3: And he's telling us today that we have a choice as believers. Not talking about losing eternal life, but I am talking about walking as a disciple of His and being like Him. We have a choice. We must set our affection upon Him above everyone and everything else. Jesus must be first place in our life. If He's first place, then the Father is first place. First priority in our affection, first priority in our relationship in building it should be with the Lord. And unfortunately, sometimes it does divide homes. But I want you to understand something. He still Amen. demands that as a priority for us to be a disciple and be a witness and make disciples. He said, in the end, it will be better for you. In the end, it will be better for your family and your home. Can't compromise. you understand? We cannot compromise. Where is your affection today? Is it upon the Lord or is it upon someone else or something else? That's stealing your time away from him. Is he first place in your life? Are you learning? Are you a pupil? Are you learning from the word? Are you in prayer? Are you doing a service for the Lord? Are you following him with your whole heart? Then it will bless your family ultimately. If not, then you compromise and you lose. You cannot be a disciple unless you set him as a priority.
0: The disciple sets him as a priority in their marriage, their family, their relationships. Their personal life, their finances, we have to make them the priority. Let me close with this scripture, passage John 8, 31, 32. Here's what it says. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, listen, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Disciples are those who hold to the teachings of Jesus. Now, we're thankful for our salvation. That's the beginning point, but it doesn't stop there. It's those who hold to the teachings of Jesus are his disciples. Then, now listen, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, we celebrate you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know that scripture was said to those who hold to the teachings as disciples? Come on. What that tells me as a disciple walks in the truest freedom God has. A disciple walks in the greatest freedom God provides. Because those are the ones that are holding true to the teachings of Jesus. See, we look at discipleship processes and classes and all that as really as bondage. And we shouldn't look at it. i got to go, how many classes? i got to do all this? Listen, we need to look at, I'm in, because that is the pathway to the greatest freedom God provides. Disciples find themselves walking in freedom. Now, that, that phrase right there, um, if you hold to my teachings... Listen to what it says in some different translations. They amplified, it says, hold to his teaching and live in accordance with them. New Living Translation, remain faithful to my teachings. New King James Version, abide in my word. Message, prayer phrase, stick with it and live it out. King James Version, if you continue in my word, no matter how you read it, no matter what translation, it says that we as disciples are to hold to the teachings of Jesus and live them out in every area of our life. And that is our pathway to the greatest freedom God provides. God is a good and faithful God, and he has a great plan for your life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for
3: listening.